Welcome to The Public Good, a weekly radio show and podcast brought to you by Partnership for the Public Good. Each week, we discuss important issues affecting the Buffalo Niagara region, from community benefits agreements to the foster care system to arts initiatives. Our guests span from PPG partners, elected officials, community leaders, and more. Our show is produced by Central Smith of WUFO, Power 96.5 FM, and Mix 1080 AM, with production support by me, Anna Blotto, Research Associate at PPG. The episode airs live on WUFO on Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. Hello and welcome to The Public Good. This is Deja James from Partnership for the Public Good, or PPG, which unites over 365 organizations working to build a better Buffalo. We're delighted to join you every Tuesday morning at 10.30 a.m. on 96.5 FM and Mix 1080 a.m. You can also watch full video of every show on our YouTube page. Follow PPG Buffalo on Facebook and Instagram for more information on how to access video and full podcasts of our show and of course you can always get great information on our website ppgbuffalo.org check it out um i have finished the spiel so back to what we come here for our guests so i'm very excited today to be joined by brandon williamson founder of pure ink poetry and peering poetry slam steve peraza from cornell ilr school senior research and sam mcgavern uh, the founder of the Calamus Project, and you're all here to promote an event that's happening for the Calamus Project, Women on Walls, this Thursday, November 16th at 7 p.m. at the Birchfield Penny Arts Center. And I'll let you guys explain a little bit more about what that's going to be. But I do also want to unpack who is Walt Whitman, which is what this is all about for our listeners and the medium of poetry for our listeners as well. So we'll get into all of that and hopefully be able to cover all of that in 27 minutes. But first, <laughs> I want you all to be able to introduce yourselves for yourselves. So um, I don't know who wants to go first, but. All right. Hello, everybody. My name is Brandon Williamson. Uh, I am the host and founder of Pure Ink Poetry. Um, we host poetry events and slams all throughout the uh, city of Buffalo. We travel internationally. We travel nationally. We compete in regional slams. And ultimately, one of the things that we're going to talk about a little bit today is also the element of slam and spoken word when it comes to poetry itself. So I look forward to uh, having that conversation. Fun. Steve? I'm Steve Peraza, Senior Research and Policy Associate at Cornell ILR Buffalo Collab. And in this instance, I am a poet, maybe a rapper, or a rapper, uh, maybe a poet. I'm not really sure. I guess we'll talk about that later. I think we will. All right. And I'm Sam McGavern. I'm Senior Policy Fellow here at PPG and uh, one of the people who started the Calamus Project, which is a uh, project to bring Walt Whitman's poems to new audiences. Wonderful. So we're talking about bringing Walt Whitman to new audiences. Who, who is Walt Whitman for most who probably do not know? So Walt Whitman was a great American poet in the 19th century. And he wrote uh, a poem called Song of Myself is his most famous poem. And the Whitman on Walls program that we're going to be talking about is bringing that poem to life through these seven films that a theater company made and then um, our seven local poets each respond to one of those films. So he was a great poet. He more or less invented like modern poetry. Um, it would be a, a strong claim, but kind of true. So he was the first great poet in the English language to say you could make poems that didn't rhyme, that didn't have regular meter and that incorporated all this different material. Uh, so he was very radical. He was 
he was queer before that word was used the way we, we would use it now. He was uh, a um, uh, profoundly anti-slavery poet, um, radical Democrat, and a fascinating guy. No, that's really cool. Um, and for context for everybody, I think it, I looked it up earlier and he was lived between like 1807 and 1871. So for him to be all of those things during that time period, anti-slavery, during the height of the end, tail end of slavery, all of those different things um, is really interesting. And um, I do want to say that I acknowledge that Walt Whitman is, for me to speak plainly because I don't know how else to, to speak, um, is a white man, right? And so... I think a lot of people do see poetry as, or even literature in general, as kind of like these classics of, of these white greats, because that's kind of who's been put up in all of the like mausoleums and different like places where we memorialize these great works. Um, but as I looked more into it, because honestly, I, I hadn't really interacted with Whitman before you all came to me and pitched this project and I did a little bit more research on him. Um, and I found it a very interesting what you were you were doing with his works because it was almost as if who he was lent itself to more modern sensibilities um, mm. in a time where, I mean, you wouldn't even have thought the way we thought at all today. Um, so I think that's really, really interesting. But wondering like what your response is to kind of that idea of like white classics and, and how Whitman kind of is a little bit different than th that typical model. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously what you're thinking of is absolutely true. And in a sense of when you look at the world of whether it's the world of academia and those who were in power, who were able to tell you what is valuable and what is not. Mm -hmm. In most cases, they would say, oh, this was written by this type of person. Therefore, this style of poetry is now more valuable than anything else. But I would tell you this poetry has been around well before then. Yeah. Um, in a variety of different cultures. In yeah. fact, um, even coming up in black culture, um, like poetry has been an element of storytelling. It's yeah. been how we kind of uh, leave our legacy both in the past and how you learn and teach lessons in the future as well. So um, it was just up until a certain point when people started to recognize that poetry. Yeah. And um, with when it comes to Whitman, um, yes, the benefit, the privilege that he had was he was a white man. Right. Um, and all of these other things kind of were able to come together. And he was able to tell even more of a story within his words and with his poetry because he had the had the ear and the eyes of those in power at the time. So um, it's a powerful tool that you can use for advocacy. It's a tool that you can use for um, getting your story and your voice out. Um, but at the same time... This kind of goes to what I was going to talk about when it came to uh, slam and spoken word and yeah. things like that. The yeah. purpose of us doing poetry slams the way that we do them yeah. is to take the power out of the hands of, mm -hmm. you know, those in power. Take it out of the hands of academia, those who say, oh, this is valuable, this isn't, mm -hmm. and put it into the hands of the people. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes with not only just... Um, those who are, oh, I, I kind of like this and I don't like that. You have a different group of people every single time you perform. Yeah. And they're the ones who determine um, on this particular day what is good and what's not. Or not what's good and what's not, but you, you get the idea. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of why things like Slam was invented. Yeah. Um, because we weren't being heard before you had you go back to like beat poetry and you know people did poetry on the streets and then it, it transitioned into hip hop and everything like that mm -hmm. um but even still you still needed the ear of or the eyes of someone else to be able to push your work forward um and so this was an opportunity for poets to say you know what we're going to take that entire equation out any slam that you ever go to is judged by five completely random people in the audience. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. No matter whether it's on a local level, all the way to national to international. Yeah. It's usually just five random people who are there. Yeah. Um, and they're obviously encouraged by the crowd and so on and so forth. So I go on my soapbox about slam yeah. because of exposure. Yeah. Um, you know, Walt Whitman was able, we were we were exposed to Walt Whitman um, to a point where we can learn about what Walt was talking about. And then from there, it can become a conversation piece that opens the door for so many other people. That's really amazing. I mean, the fact of, especially how you highlighted slam of, of making that accessibility factor of poetry and, and an art, right? Because mm -hmm. I think also art is just something that's kind of been safeguarded in a way and kind of um, gatekept, yep. exactly is the word I was looking <laughs> for. Um, and so making it accessible in that way. And like you mentioned, hip hop, I think that is the whole point of hip hop is like, we're doing something our way in a unique sound mm -hmm. um, and it can be valuable as art as well. And now look at it today and where it's come. So we're speaking on in about 50th year of hip hop as well. So I think that that's really cool to kind of tie that in. Um, but Steve, I actually want to highlight you right now because you you're kind of on the hip hop side of the, the poetry thing. And so for you, how do you feel about different forms of poetry, not just slam that Brandon has highlighted, but but maybe other ideas of, of poetry that maybe people ha think are more accessible to them? Because I think some listeners feel like poetry isn't something that they interact with on a day to day. I mean, admittedly, I felt that way. Yeah. Um, Sam Gavin, thank you for the opportunity. Sam brought into the poets Leaves of Grass, which was the Walt Whitman, one of the Walt Women texts. I think ours was published in 1860. And just sitting with the tome felt like, oh man, the distance between myself and now. Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of what I did in response to Walt Whitman's poetry was to say, you know what, I do want meter, I do want rhyme, mm -hmm. I do want music, mm -hmm. I don't I, I, I don't feel like you Walt Whitman. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the first versions mm -hmm. were like, you know, this is what I'm gonna do, is that okay? Yeah. Because hip hop has that, that culture and aesthetic, right? Yeah. Um, after sitting with it a little bit, you know, I came to realize that, like, there are levels to poetry, mm -hmm. right? And and it's a literary form, but it's also a performative thing. Mm -hmm. And you traverse that boundary when you're doing this work, right? Yeah. And, and something that's written in text has its own value. And then what we're going to do, which is really bringing the text to life in response to, to other stuff, really kind of changes, I think, as an artist, what I think I'm doing. You know, I thought I was doing a rap, but right now I'm, I feel like it's a little bit more art. It's a little bit more, and, and that's okay. That doesn't change its essence. It's just that um, the more you, the more you kind of uh, give in to the give in to the cultural and the artistic creativity, like the the, the creative process, the more you connect with the work. So I, I, in terms of like rap. Like, I expect to rap and I'm going to go up there and rap and, and, you know, like I'm 16 years old again, right? You know, um, this is a little weird, too, because, like, I'm, you know, Cornell, ILR, like, oh, God, here we are. You were talking about, like, this kind of unspoken schism between the people and the scholars, you know? Yeah. But here we are, right? I mean, uh, Sam is, like, one of the top scholars of, of Walt Whitman. Like, yeah. you know, like, top five guys there, yeah. right? And then we're, you know, I, we're just trying to bring that into, yeah. you know, to, to bring that scholarship to the people, that, that literary mm -hmm. creativity and development. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to land the plane now. <laughs> no, I, I think that was all together. Yeah, go ahead. I see the goal is to, to build the bridge. 
right? right? Um, to, you know, make something that, you know, I know a lot of people are not exposed to Whitman. I wasn't until Sam actually brought us, brought the Calumus Project to Ujima. Yeah. Uh, I'm the president of the Ujima Theater Company. We um, we partnered and we worked together, and that was my first real introduction to Walt Whitman. Yeah. Um, and so um, having that exposure and then recreating and then writing to a response to is a way that exposed me to, okay, this is something I need to look deeper into. Mm-hmm. But if you you know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Um, and so as you get exposed to something, there's a saying that, like, they say, what is it? When you know better, you do better. Yeah. Um, and you, when you are exposed to something like this, then it can open your mind to new possibilities. So our goal is to build bridges yeah. um, to those who may not have been exposed, even those in the poetry community who might not feel like they have access to it. Yeah. Our, our writing is our bridge that we're building to the people. And Sam, I'm interested in asking this question to you because we've all kind of said how Whitman wasn't something we had naturally gravitated to or heard about before. And so it seems like you're the catalyst to say, (laughs) I see there's a gap here in Whitman's work and who it really could touch and affect, right? And so what really was that inspiration for you to say, Mm. I need to bring this to community through the Calamus Project? Yeah, I was reading his poetry a couple of years ago, and I was so struck by how directly it speaks to today, even mm-hmm. though it's written a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And some of his work, you know, we started with these Calamus poems, which talk about same-sex love in a way that was so ahead of its time, mm-hmm. and it's, it still, you know, reads so fresh today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other of his work too, like Song of Myself, that we'll be featuring at this event, it's, um, it just speaks, you know, it's about democracy, it's about love, it's about um, inclusivity, it's about a lot of things that we still need to hear about today, mm-hmm. and just, you know, delivered very beautifully um, in this great rhythmic language. And one of the things I like about what we're doing on Thursday night is we've got songs, so we've got Curtis Lavelle and Louis Montijo <coughs> performing two songs that Curtis created from Walt Whitman poems. <laughs> really beautiful. Um, We've got spoken word poetry, we've got film, we've got rap. So we're bringing a lot of different art forms together. But you know, poetry started off as sung. You know, in pretty much every culture, the the first poems were sung. They weren't spoken. Um, And then, you know, if they were spoken, they were chanted, they were performed, um, like slam poetry or performance poetry. So the, you know, what what Brandon and Steve do is like the most traditional kind of poetry. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's the most modern. Mm-hmm. Um, and Walt Whitman's kind of in the middle, you know. He was yeah. he was really radical in his time for yeah. saying you don't need to use rhyme and meter. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's part of this tradition that starts with song and chanting, and you know, is always coming back to it. No, I think that's so interesting that in the time that he's in he's grappling with things like democracy things we talk about all the time now like is this really a democracy like can democracy really be representative of all people if all people aren't really equal in the united states of america all of those different things and for him in his position of power that you kind of mentioned of him being a white man and being able to kind of use that privilege and mobility to to be able to question the system and maybe not get killed or something or (laughs) radical of the time that actually still happens today um but it's really interesting to me for him to be grappling with that especially in the time period he's in because it really is in this time where you know the north versus the south and the union versus the and but at the same time those debates are happening but it's still only for a certain type of people and so he's able to kind of bring up well what about 
you know someone like me or someone like the slave or someone like you know and i think that that's really interesting like you said really ahead of its time so i was i was really struck by it and when i started reading reference material and different things to have this conversation about i see why sam loves this so much and why he wants to bring it to all of us now because i wouldn't have i don't think as a black woman i would have naturally gravitated to a book with whitman's face on it Mm. to be to identify with myself i don't think i would have did that but when i challenged myself to do that I was very surprised on how much I reflected into the work. So I just want to also encourage listeners. I don't know if you both feel that way too, but. By the way, let me just sidebar the Calumans project. Yeah. It's lit lit. Like you got Naila and Sari dancing, the yeah. poetry being read, the, yeah. the, the performance on that is yeah. amazing. I remember from last year when it was introduced, I, it was, that's some good stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, like up to date right now stuff. No, I mean, I was just watching some of the videos you all had on your website, and I was like, wow, this is yeah. really impactful. Yeah. So, Brandon uh, has some yeah. beautiful performances. Uh, so, yeah, calmistproject.org. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look for Brandon's face on the poems, and, <laughs> and uh, you'll, you'll hear some great, great performances. No, I love the kind of spread of representation you have in kind of the reciting of, of some of the poems, um, and just the performance that each individual puts into it really changes the way you because I was reading some of them before I went to your website and looked at the video and it completely changed the way I digested it. So um, definitely suggest people if they have the time or make time, to be honest with you, um, to watch um, that. But I want to give you both the opportunity if you want to recite a little something now, give the folks a little teaser or understanding of what kind of your style is and what they can expect from some stuff. All right, all right, all right, fine. Um, um, so, so I, I, so this, I wrote this. This is my favorite rap to recite. Okay. I wrote it in two thousand and four. So a couple of the, a couple of the references are dated, but it's my thing. It's my jam. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to survive off minimum wages. Never made a life for a five thirty five. I couldn't even get me high. One nick, no Dutch to roll up in light. But this be broke economics. Make a house, a toilet, a lounge out of trees. Go to the park to spark after the dark. Cause you see, get it smart, she know the smell of the reefer. She know that daddy never happy neither. Till after that split, fires all red and She make connections, plus all the time in your hands. Make you wonder if you should go back to the grams. Move a G-Pack and three flat, read back seven times, feed your fam seven times to make it relative. Forget calling your relatives, 1500 a day, hooray for the food, eh? Buy for the crew, eh? Life gets sweet when it's not about the light, gas and red meat. But in the broke zone, when you're broken alone, broken home, can't dial out, broken cellular phone, feel like you sell your soul for free meals a week worth, stomach off track like reverb. Can't go to the store with an oath from God. Can't pay him in hymns. Can't win with a grin. Like the only thing they don't build is oxygen. Not yet. Maybe 2076. To testify 300 years Americanness, you can no longer breathe without American Express. If you was broke home, you imagine that sh- The consumer society turned to living and dying, B. Or living from buying, dying from misfortune. Better said dying because you miss fortunes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Big snaps. Uh, I appreciate Big snaps. You. Thanks for letting me spit that. I'm sweating now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it takes. That's what it takes. The energy. I love it. I uh, appreciate you guys. All uh, right, right there in me. Okay, I guess yeah, yeah. Um, sure. I'm gonna do a poem. So, one thing that I was I've never been able to do. I don't have the discipline to work 
to a meter um, and to like the way that he does that. I don't have the mental discipline to do that. I don't have the attention span. And so that's why I chose poetry um, because you don't have to. Um, I can go down that path, but like to be able to do that is just always dope. Um, first, there was the word. Through the reverb of the Big Bang, the word was spoken through sacred syllables and that word became poem. A poem developed the eyes and became, or developed, the poem developed the heart and became a promise. A promise developed eyes and became perception, perception spoke up and became opinion. Opinion stood up and became foundation. Dig deep. Bury your poem in your foundation and watch it bloom into the most beautiful poetry, Ashe. We breathe in its peace offerings. Shalom. Have you ever considered the lifespan of a poem? How this poem died a long time ago, but I am now preaching its eulogy and so on and so forth. So yeah. I'm only giving a small Woo. taste of it, but I'm going to yeah, yeah, yeah. go deeper into that. If you, yeah, another time. <laughs> oh I like, I'm sorry. It takes you a while to digest like every, every line. I love poetry because even in the short lines, you can digest that for at least a few hours in itself. Right. And so... Um, I'm my brain is just working overtime. I gotta like get back into host mode. I'm sorry. That was, you guys blew me away just now, like thinking about my response to that, what I related to in it, and everything like that. So I hope our listeners also feel that way. Um, I know that's just a little taste of women on walls on Thursday, and kind of you're gonna have both of you there, um, but you're also gonna have some other poets as well. But what is your goal for this specific event? Um, and especially in you highlighting local artists to participate. Yeah, it's going to be a really dynamic night. Um, we've got these great films that theater company, Compagnia de Colombari made of Whitman, but then we have seven amazing poets, these two, five others. We've got the Poet Laureate, Jillian Hainsworth, um, who's going to be there for other really talented poets. So it's going to be... Um, it's gonna be something no one's ever seen mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, it's music, it's film, it's poetry wrapped up into this ball. Um, so yeah, we just want to share it with people. It's free. It's absolutely free. It's in a beautiful place. It's in the Bridgefield Penny Auditorium. We're gonna have a little reception afterwards, so folks will have a chance to actually talk to the artists and learn more about their work. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be a magic evening. No, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, we we've had a great time just building up to it as well. Yeah. Um, the process. I've gotten some people don't know, but I've gotten some footage of the process um, for what we've been able to do. We've come together. We watched the videos. We we're able to talk in depth about it. And imagine, like you're talking to us right now, but imagine being in a room full of poets yeah. who are just like just trying to break down every single thing. And they're like, yeah. oh man, think about. And I mean, you, it can go for hours. Got to rein it in. You got to reel it in. You got to reel it in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we've been doing. We've been practicing. We've been training. I've been coaching and um, I've been meeting with them one on one starting since yesterday as well. Mm -hmm. um, and we're getting ready to put on a show in a variety of different styles of performance. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the thing. So you got you have some who are going to sing, uh, do some singing. Mm -hmm. uh, we got some rap. We have JB who's going to be a straight powerhouse. Mm -hmm. um, Jillian is just Jillian. Jillian's going to do right. what Jillian does. Yeah. Um, and it's of a wide variety of different styles that we're going to have on the stage. So mm -hmm. you're not going to get the same thing over and over again with every response to a poem. And that's what we're excited about is uh, and you really have to come out and see it um, to get the full experience. No, we're, I mean, this is amazing. 
I'm excited. I'm just happy to be here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, like I, to your point, Brandon. I mean, you tap in the room with the artists, and I was in awe. There's real levels. There's a lot of craftsmanship that goes into it. And yeah. JB is gonna be dope. I've been saying that every time. Every time JB says something, I think it's hot. So it's gonna be great. No, that's so exciting, and it really introduces people to because there's a very large like local scene which I like yeah. did. I recently discovered. I think post pandemic. I started going to like some of the public poetry events that happened, which there's a ton of that I didn't know about. Um, so we've had a couple of different poetry groups and different things on the show so far. Um, but I think this project is very interesting because of its goal of accessibility. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, the other projects are also trying to be accessible as well, but it's like, this is the core mission of this specific project um, and letting people grapple with these large overarching themes but in their own way right and so being able to see you as artists digest things differently with your different styles and approaches and personalities um i think lends itself to people being able to interact with the work and find their similarities in each one of you to be able to then digest this larger idea so i think that's really awesome what you all are doing um i think it's very inspirational um, and I think it's great. I want to end, if I can end, on a large overarching question because I love doing that when we have <laughs> three to four minutes left of a show. Um, but I'm just wondering, each of you seem like you have your own personal connection to poetry and what it means for you in your life. And so if you could summarize really? something yeah. like that. Um, <laughs> about how 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 this really has affected you and how this really supports you in this journey called life. I mean, for me, it's uh, I've always written to explore. And so in this opportunity, I get to explore uh, a way of, of communicating that is, you know, is really distinct from my normal. You know, we know each other from childcare work and, and PPG and policy advancement. And in this sense, I don't really see this as this as, as fully separated. Mm -hmm. I actually see this as a variety and another way of communicating really vital information. So if I can do it in this form, um, I'll be a stronger research and policy associate for it. So I see this as a major privilege and advantage. So I grew up with a theater background and often when it came to theater, you're often telling someone else's story. Mm -hmm. You're playing a different character. You get a chance to like tell someone's story. But when it comes to poetry, especially spoken word, you get a chance to tell your own story in your own words. Yeah. Um, and there's another thing that we say in the poetry community, which is don't restate the obvious and expect me to call it genius. So <laughs> in a sense, you have to have a purpose behind why you're telling your story yeah. or else why are we listening in the first place? Yeah. So um, it allows us to kind kind of converge all of these thoughts into something concise, yeah. um, but something that we can still have fun with and you can still dive into it creatively. And when I do that, my goal, as I've mentioned before, is building bridges to make connections, to expose people to different either thoughts or different things that uh, pop up um, in my poems yeah. that might change perspectives. And that's my goal when I write. Ooh, I love this. <laughs> um. You know, poetry, it's, it's beautiful words, it's entertaining words, it's dramatic words, um, and it's words that go deep. Yeah. And, you know, Whitman went incredibly deep um, for years and years working on his poetry. He, he wanted to absolutely change the way people thought, the way they acted, the way they related to each other, the way they loved each other. Um, and we've got, you know, seven Buffalo poets who are going deep too, so yeah. um, it's gonna be a great night.
No, I love that. I love the local element to it so that we can know we have local talent here. We don't have to leave. It's not all about the transplants. No offense. Shout out. Um, but thank you all so much for being here. Um, this is so exciting. I'm excited to also attend this event. So I hope some listeners will have some time Thursday evening, 7 o'clock at the Birchfield Penny Arts Center. Thank you all for being here. This is Deja James with Partnership for the Public Good or PPG, uniting over 365 organizations working to build a better Buffalo. Join us next week where we We'll be talking about black maternal health and the new doula program that is now state funded to accept Medicaid. It's the public good Tuesdays at 10 30 a.m. on Power 96.5 FM and Mix 1080 AM.